If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey there, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science, and I'm coming at you today with a super quick lesson about how you can take one of your existing lessons and flip them to add more exploration and more of a 3D approach to it, right? So Erin and I have totally talked about how if a lesson isn't literally designed for three-dimensional teaching, the more than likely it's not going to be three-dimensional because the reality is most of the lessons that we have been, you know, taught about or the lessons that we have experienced in our education or honestly the lessons that we find online were not designed with this three-dimensional model in mind. They weren't designed from a constructivist learning approach. They were designed from a, I'm going to tell you the information. I'm kind of, kind of trying to make it fun, but I'm still going to feed you the information, right? And that's what we want to move away from, from for sure. We want students to actually explore, figure the things out for themselves and make meaning and discover or uncover the, the science content for themselves. But, so we know most of our lessons probably aren't going to align, but that doesn't mean that those lessons are like, have no value because they totally can. Those lessons can be adapted. They can be changed. Some of my favorite like explorations and three-dimensional lessons were inspired by something that I had done in the classroom before. It's just a matter of what I've been calling flipping it, right? So I want to talk about three pretty easy ways that you can look at flipping your lesson And so the first one that I want you to think about is just think about the order of your lesson. And this is where you hear terms like lab before blab or the explore before explain. Um, And I think there's another one, but I can't think of it right now. Um, But anyway, that is when we take our activity portion, whether it's hands-on, whether it's analyzing data, you know, the thing that we used to do as We'd give the students the information and then we would do some kind of activity to reinforce it or to show them that that's how it really worked, to confirm. It's like a confirmation lab. We take that thing and we put it at the beginning of the instruction. And that is one easy, super easy thing that you can do to just start flipping your lesson. Now, it's not going to make it all of a sudden three-dimensional, but you're moving in the right direction by putting the activity first. Because the truth is, our students, you know, we tell them this information, but if they don't have the mental, like, schemas in their head, if they don't have that personal experience to connect 
the information you're giving them to, they just don't make the connection. So instead of wasting time at the beginning trying to tell them all of it and then give them the hands-on or the personal experience, let's put that personal experience first, then follow up with making meaning from it. Like, what did that experience mean? So that's the first thing. Literally just take the end of your lesson or like the middle and move it to the beginning. However, like I said, that doesn't all all of a sudden make it exploration and all of a sudden make it three-dimensional because a lot of those activities are still very much teacher-directed. They're not really student-driven. They're not necessarily minds-on, which is another term that we kind of use to talk about the teacher still telling the students exactly what to do, and the students are basically following this recipe. So we still need to like revamp that activity portion to to make it more exploration-based. And One of the best things that you can do and one of the easiest things you can do in that instance is take your current lab or activity or whatever it is and you can remove the explanation. So there's two ways that this might play out. You might be removing the directions. So you might be letting your students decide how to carry out the task or how to set up the model. So two quick examples of that might be your students are learning about, you know, um, how mass and the height of like, you know, dropping something uh, equates to like potential energy, kinetic energy, whatever. So in a traditional lab, you know, with ramps and things like that, we might tell them, put it at this height, put it at that height, or use this size marble or that size marble. In an exploration-based lab, you might just say, hey, you design it, choose your heights, choose your marbles. Like, let's just collect some data and then let's look at it together and see if we can find any patterns. Another example with modeling, and I've used this example a lot, but there's an awesome video where um, an instructor is showing the Earth-Sun-Moon system, and they're using a light bulb for the sun, and I think they're the Earth, and they're holding the moon. And they're showing how, as it's arranged in this way, you can see the moon phases. That's very teacher-directed. On the flip side, we could say, here's data about like what the moon looks like over the course of the month. Can you figure out how it must be arranged? And then just let them experiment and let them play a little bit. And obviously you can use whatever levels of guidance and scaffolding that your students need and that you need to kind of get through at, at whatever pace you're working through. But that's an example of just removing the instructions and letting students figure it out. The second thing, um, along these lines is removing the explanation. So you're not telling them what they should see or what it means or the vocabularies or those definitions. An example of this might be if you're doing some kind of demonstration and instead of telling them, okay, do you notice that this is happening or this is happening because you leave it up to students to to talk about what they see and to make some of those connections and just brainstorm. So you're removing the explanation. When you are showing, so it could be a demonstration, it could be a video. One of the things I love is just, I think on YouTube, you can like turn off the video um, sound or like send the link without the sound. And obviously they can turn it back on. But, you know, briefly, they they might watch a video or watch something happening without the explanation. And it gives them a chance to come up with their own ideas and explore those ideas. Um, so sometimes just removing that explanation can add a little bit more of that meaning-making opportunity for your students and that critical thinking and minds-on learning. Now, I know you might be thinking like, okay, but I can't just let them do what they want here. And you might have reasons for that. Like maybe you're afraid they'll never come to the right idea or it's not safe. Um, and two ideas for you in this, in this situation. 
Now, the first thing, you're worried that they're never going to figure it out. They're never going to come to the right idea. One, I guess I have two, yeah, two ideas for that part. One, your students don't have to figure out everything. You can have them discover pieces of a puzzle, and you can use those pieces to help fill in the gaps. One example of this is, you know, I taught um, high school earth science, and we did the Big Bang Theory. They're probably not going to discover the whole Big Bang Theory, right? Because that's something very complicated that scientists took a long time and a lot of different evidence to put together, right? But they could look at data and analyze um, like a model or whatever and figure out that galaxies are moving away from us, right? We can set up an exploration where they can figure out that one piece. And then you can have them figure out some of the other pieces and then you can help them put those pieces together and say, okay, so scientists explain this with. So that's the first thing. We want to have as much exploration in our classrooms as possible, but it doesn't mean they have to like discover every single thing for themselves. Now, the second thing to consider is that Kids and, and humans, but I mean, there have been studies specifically about kids, have this amazing ability to analyze many variables and kind of narrow it down to identify cause and effect relationships. So I know teachers really fear that, oh my gosh, they are designing this experiment and there's like three different variables. They're never going to know which one is which, right? And yeah, it's not a clean experiment and we would probably want to replicate it Um using better methodology to confirm, but we could for sure start thinking of those ideas or um, discussing the, the impact of those variables and even come to some preliminary conclusions, even with a messy experiment like that. You know, our brains are always looking for, for connections, for relationships, for patterns, even, so so honestly, the problem is probably not making no connections or not coming to any ideas, but rather like coming to too many or, or identifying connections when those don't exist. And if you talk to any sports fan, like this is a perfect example. The fact that you drink vanilla Coke, and I don't even know if anybody drinks vanilla Coke anymore. I'm not sure why that popped in my mind. But the fact that you drank vanilla Coke at yesterday's game doesn't mean you need to, to develop, to need to drink vanilla Coke every single game for the rest of the season so that your team wins, right? Those are just weird connections that our brain fixates on. It's always looking for patterns, always looking for connections. So the truth is, if you're worried that they're never going to figure it out, honestly, they might. You might be underestimating them. And the thing is, they don't have to have all of the right ideas and all of the pieces together to to be a part of this exploration process. That's what you're there for. You're there for them to make the weird connection that I drank vanilla Coke at this game and they won. And that's when you can talk to them about, okay, well, did you drink vanilla Coke at every single game? And like, okay, well, what's the like mechanism that would be the connection between you drinking vanilla Coke and the team 100 miles away winning? You know, you can guide them through that process. So exploration, it's not about, oh my gosh, at the end they have to have all of the right ideas. They just have to have some experience and have some observations and have some ideas. And then you can use discussion to guide them in, you know, a better direction of thinking if maybe they're not totally on point. So, you know, during discussion, that's when you can talk about what they did see and notice and think and build from whatever idea, whatever they've said to whatever idea you're working toward. You can do this. They can do this. It's a little bit scary to, to let go, you know, to put, take your hands off the wheel in that sense. But it's, it's actually 
once you once you get into it, it's not as bad as you might think it's going to be. Now, on the other hand, if you're thinking, okay, it's not safe for them to do this. If you're doing a chemistry class or if there's, you know, hot materials or hot plates, like whatever, you're just like, I can't just let them go. And you might need to give them directions. That's okay too. You can still bring in a little bit more minds on exploration and a little bit more, um, critical thinking by simply discussing that methodology before you begin. So if you do give them the instructions, talk about why. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we collecting the evidence in this way? Why are we following this methodology? And what would happen if we did things differently? Exploration doesn't always have to be about, doesn't have to mean that your students are making every single choice for themselves. It can also just be thinking deeply and coming to their own conclusions during that discussion process. Um, so it could just be the reasoning behind the, the actions they take. Now, so we said you can flip your lesson by that, the first two ways that you can bring in more exploration, right? Reviewing. You can flip your lesson, take the middle part of it, the activity, and put it first. You can also remove from that activity the instructions or the explanation, what they're supposed to see, what they're supposed to do, things like that. Um, the last thing is that we can just really bring in way more discussion into our class. So we really need to stop telling our students stuff and start with what they think or see or notice or wonder or conclude or whatever, right? So instead of us jumping in and telling them things, we are asking them what they think, what they saw, what they noticed, what they wondered. And this is important, actually listening to those ideas and seeing where you and their classmates can go before you offer corrections. Because sometimes we try to elicit ideas from students. We we ask them to share what they saw or what they wondered or whatever. And then we jump in and we're really quick to explain what that meant or we're really quick to offer a correction. When perhaps if we responded with a little bit more Questions. Perhaps if we responded with a little bit of silence and gave other students a chance to chime in, your class as a whole could come to a consensus and could come to understanding on their own. And that's that's exploration. It's, it's, it's exploration. It's trying things out. It's thinking about it. And it's making meaning from it. So it's coming to that explanation themselves instead of it coming from you. So we can really just give our students a chance to step up by giving them an opportunity to talk and really listening and letting them lead that talk. And again, that's really what flipping your lessons is about. It's less of like us driving the bus and allowing our students to actually take the wheel, which like I said, it's scary. I understand, but it actually takes a lot of weight off of your shoulders. It makes for a much more engaging and enjoyable class. It just makes teaching so much easier. And, and more fun, and what we got into it for, right? Um, so with that in mind, I also want to invite you to, I'm going to be leading a free workshop in June that's all about flipping your lesson. So I gave you a couple, you know, con I gave you a couple ideas of like how you can do that, but I'm going to actually walk you through my process of here's how I take a lesson, and these are like this the concrete steps I go through when I'm thinking about how do I make this lesson more exploration. So I'm going to take a really like tried and maybe not so true, but a lesson I've done. It's totally teaching us telling. It's totally teacher-directed, and how I would have flipped and how I have flipped that lesson to make it much more 3D and much more exploration-based and I'll really allow the students to discover those ideas for themselves. 
Um, like I said, this is a free workshop, but you do need to register. It's going to be in my Zoom room. So you'll register, you'll get a confirmation email, and then on the day of the workshop, I will send out the the Zoom link as well as any workbooks and materials and all of that stuff. And if you can't make it live, you can, you'll get the, the recording. So you still need to register even if you know you can't attend, but you want the recording, you're still going to want to register. So you can go to iExploreScience.com backslash monthly uh, in order to register. And that link is also in the show notes. But make sure you do that. Um, it's going to be early June. I'll have the date posted. Um, but I just need to look at my calendar and I haven't done that yet. So. I'm really looking forward to sharing this um, strategy with you, and I hope that these tips gave you a couple ideas of ways that you can maybe play with this, even before the end of the school year, if you have a little bit of time left, and um, see, you know, see what it's like to bring a little bit more exploration into your classroom. All right, thank you so much for joining me. If you're liking this podcast, we'd really appreciate a review. It helps others find us. It gives us some awesome feedback. Um, if you have any topics that you would like to see us talk about over the summer, over the fall, um, we would love to hear that as well. And you can submit questions or you can just reach out. There's a link to submit questions. You can also anytime reach out on Instagram or Facebook, on our websites, anything like that. Erin and I really love hearing from you. All right, I will catch you later. Have a wonderful week. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.